1: That's NOOM.com to sign up for your trial today.
0: Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Let's talk about baseball.
1: Welcome everyone. Happy no-hit Sunday. Yes, that's right. I don't care. That was combined no-hitter. No-hitters are dope, and that was fun. Welcome everyone. My name is Daniel Port. I'm your host. We have a ton of baseball to talk about today, so buckle up. We're going to jump straight into the news and notes here on this Sunday morning. The Atlanta Braves announced that Eddie Rosario will begin a rehab assignment at Triple A Gwinnett on Saturday as he attempts to come back from his eye injury. The Baltimore Orioles have announced that Trey Mancini is day-to-day with an undisclosed injury, while Rugneto Dor is day-to-day with a back injury. Still, he was not in the lineup on Saturday's game. We'll have to see if he will be on Sunday. The Cubs have. Said that Marcus Stroman threw approximately forty pitches during a bullpen session on Saturday, and Seiya Suzuki will take live batting practice in Arizona. The Reds announced that Tyler Stevenson will hopefully begin a rehab assignment in the next week to ten days. The Houston Astros have announced that Jeremy Pena will likely be reinstated from the ten-day injured list prior to Sunday's game against the Yankees. So that's today. The Milwaukee Brewers announced that Colton Wong is expected to be reinstated from the ten-day injured list on Tuesday uh, as he comes back from a calf injury. And Hunter Renfro is currently day-to-day with a calf injury. He was out of the lineup on Saturday and uh, will be available only off the bench in an emergency. The New York Mets. Max Scherzer expects to make a rehab start Tuesday. Jeff McNeil is out with a hamstring injury. He was out of the lineup on Saturday and is considered day-to-day. The New York Yankees said Aroldis Chapman completed one scoreless inning for A Somerset on Friday, allowing one hit and striking out one batter. For the Pittsburgh Pirates, Cabrian Hayes is still with a shoulder injury from a collision to the plate a few games ago. He's out of the lineup on Saturday. Again, keep an eye on his status on Sunday. The San Diego Padres still have Manny Machado as day-to-day. He did not play on Saturday. And again, keep an eye on his status for Sunday. Seattle Mariners officially moved Thai France to the 10-day injured list. He was diagnosed with a grade 2 flexor strain in his left forearm and will head to the 10-day IL. Tampa Bay Rays announced that Wander Franco is expected to come back from his quadriceps injury and be activated from the 10-day injured list either today or Tuesday. Texas Rangers announced that Matt Bush was scratched from Saturday's start against the Nationals for undisclosed reasons. I'm sure we'll find out more today on that. The Toronto Blue Jays announced that George Springer is day-to-day with an elbow injury. He wasn't in the lineup for Saturday's game and we'll have to keep an eye on his status for today. So that's all of our injury news and notes. Let's jump straight into the hitters. I want to start by talking about three really interesting Pirates hitters that I noticed yesterday. Uh, Yes, I did say that correctly. Pirates hitters. So the first is Blind Madrid, who played right Field for them. He went three for four with a run scored. He's hitting 381 on the season. He just recently got called up and he has absolutely mashed since getting the call of the majors. Looking at his scouting report, Fangraphs called him a great makeup guy with some pop and a chance at a platoon role. He hit 304 with a 385 OBP and a 904 OPS of five home runs, 15 doubles, and a 141 WRC plus and 179 AAA played appearance before he was called up. And in 2021, he played in A as well, roughly about 385 at-bats, had nine home runs, 25 doubles, hit 272 with a 352 OBP and a 786 OPS. So you can see he jumped from that 786 OPS to that 904 OPS from one season to the next in A. And so far, since coming to the majors, he's just continued right along those lines to 294. He hasn't taken a walkie. Yet, but he does have an 882 OPS with a home run, a stolen base, two doubles, in 17 plate appearances. It's only been 17 plate appearances, so obviously take all of those with a grain of salt, but it does pretty well line up with his previous numbers in the minors. The second Pirates hitter I want to talk about today is Jack Sawinski. Sawinski went one for three with a home run and three RBIs. Now, he's only hitting 214 on the season, but he's shown a lot more potential than that. He was ranked the, top, the number 30 plus within the Pirate system by Fangraphs in their yearly rankings. He plays every day in the outfield right now over in left field. And while he has, like I said, struggled for most of the year, he's gotten going in June. He's at 250 with a 338 OBP and an 896 OPS, a, which is a 148 WRC+. He's got six home runs. He's had 11 since May 1st. He had three doubles. It, it's a distinct possibility he's starting to figure it out as the power is certainly for real and it would be really interesting to see if he can put that together over a full season and manage to play defense well enough to hold his own out there in left field. Finally, the last Pirates that I want to talk about is Diego Castillo. Now, Castillo as well is another hitter who got off to a bit of a slow start hitting just 197 on the season but he went 1 for 4 yesterday with a home run as well and he was the number 17 prospect on Fangraph's Pirates prospect list. And Castillo actually came over in the Clay Holmes trade and he makes a ton of contact that he always has throughout the minors and most recently at AAA right around the time of the trade he started pulling the ball and hitting the ball in the air a lot more and he ended up hitting. 14 home runs last season between double A AA and triple A and already has seven in the majors this year and just 180 plate appearances. You can see some of that power starting to translate over as he began to pull the ball and hit in the air more. That's exactly what you want to see. He's hit four of his six home runs in June and while the rest of the game hasn't quite caught up in terms of like batting average and whatnot, he does have a 226.079 in June Baba, which is just Awful. His pull percentage is up to 45.2% with a 524 fly ball percent and an 182 home run per fly ball percent with a 207 ISO. So he's absolutely crushing the ball for power in June. And to give you an idea just of how hard he's hitting the ball, in June he has a 90% barrel rate, he has a 20.1% launch angle and a 902 exit velocity. So there aren't a lot of second basemen with big home run power and he could really start providing that from here on out uh, if this continues. Now, moving on from the Pirates to the Rays, Isaac Paredes went three for five with a home run and three RBIs. He's been red hot. He's had four home runs and a 9.89 OPS over the last two weeks, and he has an 8.80 OPS in June with six home runs. He's got nine total on the year. He's raised his flying ball percent in June from to 55.3% with a 28.6 home run per fly ball percent and a 12% uh, barrel rate. He has a 133 WRC plus on the season, and that's considering he's only hitting 232 on the season, and he's still managed to be at 131 WRC plus. hitter on the season tells you just how good he's been, and he's only 23. Uh, he's playing every day now, and he should at the rate, because he's bouncing all over the, the diamond He'll end up gaining eligibility at pretty much every position except for shortstop. He's widely available in most leagues, so if you're looking for a hitter uh, with some power to speculate on, this is definitely a hitter I would be looking at as well. So for the Cubs, Rafael Ortega went one for four with two RBIs and a home run. This is his third home run of the year. He's hitting .333-4 with a 407 OBP and an .866 OPS in June with a home run, three doubles, and a 145 WRC+. Since May 1st, he's hit 298 with a .388 OBP and an 809 OPS, with three home runs, five doubles, and a 129 WRC+. I don't expect him to provide much power. He's basically going to be an average only guy, but could provide an extra boost of value in, say, OBP leagues or point leagues, where he does walk a lot and could produce in multiple ways there. He's barely rostered. Definitely, if you're hurt in your outfield, could be worth a pickup as well. For the Cardinals, Brendan Donovan went one for three with two RBIs. He's still hitting 333 with a 407 OBP and an 866 OPS with a 145 WRC+, in June. So he has stayed red hot while qualifying in almost every position but catcher. He has a 13.1 walk rate on the year. He has a ton of value in VP Points Leagues as well. He's still out there, and I've mentioned him multiple times in this podcast. You should be adding Brendan Donovan to your teams if he's available. One yep, went one for fourth a double in, in just 159 play appearances being called up. He's hit six home runs and eight doubles with a 277 average, a three twenty-five OBP and a seven seventy eight slash line. That's good for a 120WRC plus. He's highly regarded for his power potential, and you can see that in the the doubles and home runs that he has hit so far. His home run for five ball rate is down though, actually, from triple almost by half. So there's even more power still to come, and there seems to be every indication that he should get to that power given time and experience in the majors. For the Rangers, Nathaniel Lowe hit his 10th home run of the season, and also had uh, a second had two RBIs on the uh, two RBIs in the game. He continues to swing a hot bat in June. He's in 305 with a 337 OEP and a 910 OPS in the month. He's had seven home runs and four doubles in June. He's been good for a 160 WRC plus over that time period. He has a 10.3 10.3 barrel rate and a 90.7 mile an hour exit velocity with an 11.2 degree launch angle, 41.4% hard hit rate. Like All of these things are improvements on his numbers for the season. This is some power potential we've been looking for from him. His fly ball percent rate are up as well. He's barely rostered. This is a guy you absolutely should be adding to your rosters. I think this is just a sign of what's to come here for the rest of the season as things get hot down there in Texas. For the Mets, Brandon Nimmo went three for five with an RBI double. He had been ice cold in June. He had been really struggling. He seemingly got on, back on track in the last two weeks to a degree. He's hitting 283 with a 328 OBP and a 762 OPS with a home run, a triple, and three doubles. His walk rate has been just 3.8% over that time period, though, and honestly, it's down on the year as a whole, and that's concerning since that was his trademark skills, but he's also striking out far less, so maybe he's trying to be more aggressive in counts, but if you believe in the hot streak, he's the leadoff hitter for the Mets, and as long as he's the leadoff hitter for the Mets, he will carry a ton of value in that uh, high-powered offense. It makes way too much sense to roster him, so if he's out there in the league, just go pick him up. Don't think twice about it. For the Marlins, Jesus Sanchez went one fourth, a home run and two RBIs. Since coming back from the COVID IL on the 21st, he's had four hits, including two home runs. He's hitting .250 with a .273 OBP and a .792 OPS with four home runs in June. It's good for a 119 WRC+, with a 14.6% barrel rate, an 88.8 mile per hour exit velocity, 15.3 degree launch angle, and a 41.5% hard hit rate. These are all improvements on his season numbers and exactly the kind of numbers you want to see, just like we were saying with Nathaniel Lowe. This is exactly what you want to see for a power hitter. I would definitely be looking at Jesus Sanchez, and if he's available in your league, which is widely available right now, I'd say pick him up. Uh, Carlos Santana for the Royals has been absolutely red hot. He went one for four with a double and two runs yesterday. And we don't on and buried the X man here, but Carlos Santana's been unbelievably hot in June. He's hitting 347 with a 467 OBP and a 997 OPS with two home runs and four doubles. He's nearly doubled his barrel rate on the season, and his hard hit percent is 45.2%. For his career, I've watched a lot of Carlos Santana over the years being a Guardians fan, and he's a hitter who, for his whole career, has never really gotten going until June and July. And he could definitely be worth picking up, especially in OBB or points leagues where his high walk rate are a huge boom. For the Brewers, Andrew McCutcheon went one for three with a home run, two RBIs and a run. He's continuing as well as swing a really hot bat. This is his second home run in four games and his sixth on the season. For the month, he's hitting 319 with a 417 OBP and an 861 OPS with an 11.9 walk rate and a 13.1k%. He's got two home runs, three doubles, and two stolen bases in the month. He's hitting at the top of that Brewers lineup. Definitely, if Andrew McCutcheon's available, I think right now you go pick him up for those runs, for the power. He's got a lot of different ways he can contribute to your team right now. Tyrone Taylor went 1 4 with double in an RBI. He's also been pretty hot the last two weeks. He's hitting 250 with three home runs and three doubles. Really, actually, the power's been there all season long, as evidenced by his nine home runs and 12 doubles. It's just the, the other aspects of, it, of his line haven't been there. He has a 252 uh babe up on the air, so that could be part of what's playing into it. And as he starts to get going here, perhaps hopefully some aggression will happen and the rest of his game catch up to the power. So keep an eye on Tyrone Taylor. For the Red Sox, Jaron Duran went 4 for 5 with a double in RBI and two stolen bases. Over his last seven games, Duran has hit 333 with a 379 OBP and an 898 OPS of four stolen bases. He's a lead-off hitter for the Best offensive baseball by run scored and has Rafael Devers, JD Martinez, and Xander Bogart sitting right behind him. It's worth noting though that he announced recently that he is not vaccinated and so he will not play in Toronto, which is the series that they're about to go to after they finish up today's game in Cleveland. Obviously, if he's out there and you can stash him for three games, I say go pick him up. I think he's going to put up some really great numbers there at the top of that lineup, but you can also try waiting until after this series. But if he's out there, go get it. Alex Verdugo went one for three with a home run and three RBIs. It feels like Verdugo is finally getting going. He's hitting 303 with a 354 OEP and a 775 OPS with a home run and six doubles in June. Won't be a ton of power, a decent chunk, of more than 20 home runs range than 30, but he should be worth a good average, and he hits fifth in the Boston lineup, so obviously he should have a ton of RBI opportunities with those great hitters hitting in front of him. Definitely, if Alex is out there, he's out there in like half of the leagues right now. Go pick him up. He's definitely uh, worth a pickup. For the Guardian, Rosario went one for four with a triple, an RBI in a run. His hot June continues as well. He's hitting 356 with a 367 OBP and an 872 OPS with two home runs, five doubles, and two triples to go along with five stolen bases. It's worth remembering that Rosario did this exact same switch last year, as he hit 296 with a 327 OBP and a 754 OPS, with 9 home runs, 6 triples, 23 doubles, and 12 stolen bases starting in May. He's the number 2 hitter for the Guardians, so he's certainly worth picking up. For the Giants, Evan Longoria went 1 for 3 with a home run and 2 RBIs. It's Longo's third home run in June in his second game in a row with a home run. He's riding a 6-game hitting streak, so things might be uh, turning for him in the right direction. He's been a 115 WRC Plus hitter in June. He's barely rostered, and we know what he's capable of when he is healthy, and I think you should go pick him up if he is out there. So that's the hitters, but now let's talk about pitchers. It would be weird to start off the day without talking about in Houston, Christian Javier's uh, day and the combined no-hitter that Houston threw today. Christian Javier's owned all over the your fantasy league so it's not like he's someone you could go pick up but we're tipping your cap to a seven innings pitch with zero and runs 13 strikeouts one walk and no hit day the pirates jt brubaker went six innings with three earned runs and six strikeouts brubaker's continued to impress me lately he's actually been pretty solid most of the year to start the season he gave up back-to-back four run outings but since then he's been really solid since april 19th he's made 12 starts with a 345 era and 63 strikeouts in 62.2 innings pitched before coming into this start over the last 70s been even better with a 293 era overall the only thing that concerns me is he does have a 1.34 whip so he's obviously going to allow base runners and there will be the occasional game that's going to come and bite him because of that. That's just something to keep in mind that there's always that risk because he allows so many base runners. In the meantime, I think he's a really good streaming option uh, in the right situation. He gets the Brewers next, so I'm not necessarily uh, rushing off to pick him up now, but certainly someone to look for as a streamer in the future. For the Rays, Corey Kluber threw 5.1 innings pitched with two earned runs and six strikeouts. As predicted, like clockwork, once the weather started warming up, Kluber started pitching well. He has He's had a 2.65 ERA with 31 strikeouts and 37.1 innings pitched with a 0.96 whip over his last seven starts. He is getting away with some hard hit balls, but I do think that he can be roughly a 3.5 ERA pitcher the rest of the season. He's going to be a huge asset for you in whip, if nothing else. And so I think uh, Corey Kluber should be a guy you're looking to add to your rosters. He's available in a lot of leagues still out there. Now, the one caveat is he does get Toronto next. So keep that in mind uh, and because that does make me a bit nervous. But past that start, I'm looking for Kluber long term. For the White Sox, Lance Lynn went 6.2 innings pitched with five earned runs, uh, six runs total, and eight strikeouts. It's nice to see him get this deep into a game, but it's also probably uh, pretty clear Tony Lubers left him in too long as he threw 109 pitches in this game. He also gave up four his five runs in the step. This could have been a really nice set line if he'd only thrown, say, six innings pitched. I'm still a believer, given that I think put in as many buy offers as you can, uh, especially if you see an impatient Lance Lynn general manager. Because when you start to dig into it, he had eight strikeouts in this game. He had 23 whiffs. He had a 31 CSW percent in the game. Those are all great numbers. Those are all ace-level numbers. And so I think you really uh, just need to be patient with Lance Lynn. I think at some point in the season, we are still going to see ace is going to ace level a Lance Lynn. So if you have the chance to either acquire him through a trade or pick him up off the wire, if he got dropped, be patient. Go pick him up. I think. You, it will pay dividends in the long run. For the Cubs, Adrian Sampson went five in pitch with two earned runs, five strikeouts, and two walks. This was Sampson's first actual start. He's made two other relief appearances. He, he's been pretty good this season. His velo was at the highest of his career. He showed good plate discipline numbers. He's likely to get the Red Sox next, and obviously, I'm not. Probably going to start him in a game like that. But I definitely think after that game, especially if he does well in that game, I will say that I'm intrigued by what Adrian Sampson might have uh, to offer for the rest of the season for the Cubs. For the Nationals, Josiah Gray went seven innings pitched with two earned runs and nine strikeouts. Gray has been very good recently. Uh, He's put up a 3.32 ERA with 43 strikeouts and 38 innings pitched with a 1.11 whip over his last seven starts. He's got 17 whiffs, mostly with his curveball and slider, and an emphasis on his pitches at the expense of his fastball have likely been a big part of his turn towards success. In fact, those two pitches have basically become his primary pitches. Compared, If he's available in your leagues, go pick him up. I think this is who he is now. very excited to see. Just I agree for the rest of the season here. Go get him. For the Red Sox, Josh Winkowski had a really great start against Guardians. Went 5.1 innings pitched with two earned runs and four strikeouts. This is the third nice start in a row for Winkowski. Despite a lack of whiffs, he got a ton of called strikes, and that really helped fuel his success in this game. He got ahead of hitters and really helped control the game. I, I wouldn't really expect a lot of strikeouts from him in any given start, but I could see streaming at times, especially if you're hurting for wins, as that Boston lineup going to score a lot of runs. He gets the Cubs next, so I could definitely see that as a really good streaming opportunity. For the Twins, Chris Archer went five innings pitched with a walk, five strikeouts, and no earned runs. The Chris Archer revival is blowing me away. It's been really fun. He never pitches more than five innings, and he's literally only pitched one inning all season long, going the third time through the order, so it's clear that the Twins are, are saying that we're going to pitch you through until you get to that third time through the order, and then we're pulling you no matter where you're at. It's work, though, because he's been fantastic. He has allowed more than two hundred runs in a start only twice this season in 14 starts, so he's been really good. He's throwing his trademark slider 43.4% of the time, making it his primary pitch. He's not going to go deep into games, so he won't get you wins or quality starts, but it could be like a good boost to your ratios in his strikeouts, uh, especially as a streamer in the right situation. He gets Cleveland next, who is slumping pretty hard right now offensively, so I could see streaming him in that game, for sure. For the Marlins, Trevor Rogers went 4.1 in his pitch with three earned runs and five strikeouts, and this is just frustrating. It's all their talent-wise for, for Rogers, He just can't put it together, and for me, it's the changeup that has me worried. He only threw it about 20% of the time, and he got just three whiffs with it. That's a signature pitch, and if he's only getting three whiffs with it, I, I can't imagine finding a ton of success. If he's out there, obviously, you got the, the, the chance to snatch him. Pick him up because the talent is astronomical, but I, I do have concerns. So that is the pitching from yesterday as well. Now, before we uh, dive into what I'm excited about today on this beautiful Sunday morning, we're take a break. Welcome back. Thank you so much. And before we keep moving, I do also want to take a second and check in with Mark Paquette about today's weather.
0: Thank you very much. Well, as we end this work week or week in general this Sunday, the one game we're going to have to watch in terms of showers and thunderstorms is the Red Sox at the Guardians as they finish up this three-game series with the Red Sox winning the first two games of this series. Um, not a likely postponement, but certainly something that I wouldn't be ruling out This certainly could be a delay as well. Anyways, we'll watch this game and then move on to the next week. Thank you very much. Have a good one, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: Thanks so much, Mark. Now let's dive into today. It's a gorgeous Sunday, uh, and I'm looking forward to watching a ton of baseball. There's a lot of really great things to to watch today, starting with Rich Hill for the Red Sox going up against Aaron Savalle. I feel like that is uh, the pitching equivalent of the Spider Man meme where they're all pointing at each other with these two pitchers going toe to toe. Savalle looked really nice in his first start back from the injured list. This is a tough matchup for him, but it'll be really uh, fun to watch and see how he does today. I'm looking forward to watching David Peterson versus the Marlins. Peterson's been a revelation this season so far, he's been really great, and this is a pretty good matchup for him, so I want to see if he can continue finding success. Uh, game three of the Yankees versus the Astros is going to be a barn burner. In game one, we have the, uh, the Yankees are in that epic comeback against Ryan Presley. In the ninth inning, in game two, we get a no-hitter. What else are we going to get in game three? This is a really fun series. And then finally, Tony Gonsolin for the Dodgers going up against Spencer Strider for the Braves. It's two powers teams going against each other with two really exciting young pitchers going up against each other. They were kind of opposites of each other. Gonsolin being a, a good control pitcher who doesn't get a ton of case, and Strider being an elite strikeout guy who sometimes can have a little bit of a wildness to him. That's a really fun kind of matchup of opposites that I will enjoy watching. Now, in terms of any players I'm streaming today, so for hitters, I'll run any of the Cardinals out there that can get my hands on. You know, Donovan, Juan Yepes up against Alec Mills for the Cubs. He's got something like a 7-plus ERA on the season. Has really struggled, so I could see trying to start any Cardinals I can get my hands on in that game. Any of the Blue Jays going against Chichi Gonzalez uh, for the Brewers. So I think you could really, if you like, around Tapia or Gabriel Moreno, you could look at any of the Twins that are available against Corey Feltner. So maybe like an Alex Kirilov if he's available, or Luis Rise if he's still out there for the Twins. Could be a nice matchup against Corey Feltner before the Rockies. Pitcher-wise, though, and again, my track record still isn't great here. I'm still figuring out uh, streaming pitchers here, but I like David Peterson versus the Marlins. I mentioned him before. He's been fantastic so far this season. The Marlins aren't exactly a, a world-beater offense, so I think he could do really well there. So that would be my primary choice for for streaming, but also, if you can't get David Peterson, I could see, just for, if nothing else, the strikeouts. I could see putting Aaron Savali up against Boston. Just know that that's a pretty risky move. I just don't really like any of the, any of the other options out there so that's it. That's our, that is our, our baseball coverage for today here on the First Pitch Podcast. Thank you so much for, for listening and have a great rest of your Sunday. Enjoy some baseball and we'll see you uh, tomorrow.
0: This has been the First Pitch Podcast brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.